okay, so you're just going to tell her everything? Why don't you talk to me like that? Because she doesn't pretend to know everything. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into how to bring nothing to the table. I'll see you on the flip. So yesterday I did a podcast about talking too much and I had an acquaintance of mine who listened to it and uh, sent me a message saying, well, how do I get mysterious and mystique where people want to tell me their secrets? And I thought it was fun the way she um, described it and we had a good laugh, but it got me to thinking, you know, there is some wisdom in how to do that. And the part from the A part that I, the part that the part, oh my gosh. So in the A part, I just recalled a snippet that I had one time when I used to uh, do in-person therapy sessions and I had this couple. And that was something that one one of the people in the session said to the other. And I got to thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? That is something. I think that there is wisdom in learning how to do this. And so when I thought back about it, I thought back uh, to all of the different training I had as well as experience, y'all. So yesterday I told you about my little problem of when I was younger, just talking too much. And then having to learn the opposite side of saying nothing and when I really thought about what my friend asked me about, you know, how do you get people to reveal these secrets to you and be this great confidant that you talk of, you speak of, I came to the realization that you really, it boils down to sometimes you have to bring nothing to the table. You just have to be uh, as a child. And so thus we get into it. So I, like I said, I got a few little wisdoms here for you and we're just going to talk a little bit and hopefully you will be able to glean something out of this that you can um, shape and form and customize for your own life. Okay. So when we talk about bringing nothing to the table, it can have many connotations. Uh, it can, <laughs> ooh, it can have connotations in romantic relationships. It can have connotations into business when you're partnering and in reacting and interacting with people. It can have different connotations. So it's a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't really, I don't really want to just say that, oh, this is just going to be with interacting with people because who's to say how this wisdom will affect you. So if you can shoehorn it into whatever area it works, good for you. So let's get into it. So the first thing I'm going to say is that there are some obvious things that you already know. And when I mention them, you're going to be like, yeah, I already know that. Uh, but there's a difference between knowing it and then allowing wisdom to get into it and turn it into something more. And the, those are the traits of a highly sought after likable person who is this great confidant or who would be this great partner or who is just uh, somebody that you really want to be around. And that is, is that for the first part, they're not, they're not just book smart. They can be very intelligent, but they're not just book smart. They have a well-roundedness. And with that well-roundedness, they have kind of like what we would call mother wit or tacit 
knowledge, meaning street smarts. They are a straight shooter sometimes. Sometimes they're very level-headed. Sometimes they speak like Confucius' uh, grandchild, you know. They are, but they tend to bring something more to the to uh, the way they look at the, uh, at the world. And because they bring that to the table, they don't feel or, or they don't have to uh, always be saying, you know, here's me, look at me, let me tell you about me. There's just a groundedness to them, okay? The next one, and this is not exhaustive. These are just some that I'm going to put out there. The next one is knowing what you don't know. Now, that in and of itself is a whole nother podcast because it is one of those things that it harkens back to when I talked about one of my favorite books, which is called How to Read a Book by Dr. Um, Mortimer Adler. And you guys, if you listen to other podcasts, you know I love that name, Mortimer. (laughs) Dr. Mortimer Adler uh, and a colleague wrote a book called How to Write a Book. And he was actually the CEO of um, uh, the uh, Britannica. Uh, so Encyclopedia Britannica. So, you know, this guy, he, he knew how to read a book, but he talked a little bit about having different levels of understanding and knowledge. And he equated them to how the levels of schooling are. And he talked about sophomoric knowledge. And a lot of people who have sophomoric knowledge tend to be the most braggadocious. And they seem to be the ones who have the the biggest um ability or need to to show you how much they know when at best is surface. And so because of that, when you are looking at uh, wanting to be that highly sought after person, that person who has some mystique, you have to know what you don't know. And when I say know what you don't know, I'm not talking about all the little jot and tittles, the details and the granular levels of a specific um, discipline. I'm simply talking about understanding that there's always another secret. There's always another level and that you never, ever should make the assumption that you are the expert when you are in a crowd. And nine times out of 10, the experts they've learned to be quiet and to assess the situation first. And so knowing what you don't know means that you allow your your personal intelligence to understand that in every situation, there is an opportunity for you to learn something new, to increase your knowledge. And if you increase your knowledge, you therefore have something to feed your wisdom so that your wisdom will expand as well. And you want to be able to have people relax and talk around you and share with you because they don't want to feel like you're going to lecture them or you're going to correct them or you're going to be that obnoxious person who is always uh, making them feel like they're in a uh, verbal exam to get a, a, a higher degree because you're always attacking everything they say. And so that's another one. Okay. So like I said, some of these you probably already know, but I want them to get into your, your soul because bringing nothing to the table is, it's kind of, um, it's kind of hard to do. (laughs) I'll just say that it is, it's kind of hard to do. And so the next one is you have to, or you want to have a curiosity. I've talked about another book. It's actually called Curiosity. And uh, it talks about the curiosity quotient. And they've actually said that they can almost tell how, quote unquote, intelligent someone is by their level of curiosity. 
And with this curiosity, you want to truly find something interesting in your subject. And when I say in your subject, I don't want you to objectify people and just turn them into a thing. You know, this is not where where you're learning how to have um, explorations of things that just happen to be people with minds. I, I do want you to find a way to activate your observant powers. And because of that, that brings me to the next one. You want to have an open mind and you want to have a superior, for you, not compared to anybody else, a superior level of observation. You want to really work on your observation skills. And when you have this open mind and you couple it with an observation, your deduction and your ability to take in information expands because with the open mind, you're not already trying to think you know what you're seeing. You're not trying to pigeonhole and shoehorn it into uh, a limited array of options. No, you're able to take it in. And then with your observation, that gives it uh, the pathway and the direction to be able to then take in more information to put together a narrative based on what is observed instead of what you presuppose. And one of the areas that I had to work with a lot when I was first starting on this journey of becoming a more actively engaged person with with people that I interacted with because at the time, (laughs) my livelihood depended on it of learning to become a good therapist was that I also had to do away with the habit of bias and prejudice in uh, thinking I knew what was happening. You see, and I'm going to take y'all back down memory lane a little bit with me. When when I was in school, this was this is what it was. You could always tell the folks who were in the counseling theories classes and all of that, because whatever theory they were dealing with that week, that's what everybody they knew had. And people would laugh at us because we were going through the stretching and the growing of what we needed to, but we were so busy trying to uh, learn these concepts. And if anything reminded us remotely of the people in our inner circle, oh yeah, so they're this and they're that. And we were all into titles and, and when I say titles, putting titles on people and it, it, it helped because it was part of the process, but it hindered because it was part of the process to get you to move through it, to get to the point where you had to realize you absolutely know nothing. And thus, you finally, hopefully get to the point where when you encounter someone, you know nothing. You don't. You just don't. I mean, you know your name, but you know nothing. You bring nothing to the table but expectation, openness, and an ability to take in uh, what you need to in the moment without having a lot of presupposed biases and even prejudices, okay? And so that was that. Now, the next thing, and like I said, having to go back and try to talk through uh, my uh, uh, acquaintance's inquiry, it it led us on to some different pathways. And so I just want to talk about two of them, you know, in the time we have together. And that is, I went back to lifespan development. 
Yes, I know it's boring, but I mean, not to me, but possibly to you. But let me tell you a little bit about this and how you can create mystery about yourself and make yourself more appealing to people. Going back to yesterday, and if you haven't read, I read, excuse me, if you haven't, can y'all tell I've been writing today? Okay, if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, you know, go over there and check it out, okay? It's an easy listen. You can put me on 2X even, okay? And uh, I talked about, you know, having a mystery to yourself, not telling everything about yourself. And when I was having uh, my interaction with um, the acquaintance who asked me how to get there, We started talking about lifespan development and what stages in our lives, because I had talked about what phase you're in and they wanted to know, well, what does that mean? And at this particular time, working with what I have, because I'm always still learning, I'm going to say at this particular time that when you want to appear to be more appealing and to not tell it all, I want you to figure out where you are in your journey. Now, growing up, you have this, or we have this uh, need to explore our world because we don't know anything. And so for most people, what I tell them is, is if you want to become more likable, more approachable, more mysterious, more intriguing, return to a beginner's mind. And that's a whole concept. You can Google it, y'all. Beginner's mind. And With a beginner's mind, you reactivate wonder. You reactivate the ability to see magic in the stuff that you don't quite understand. And you reactivate the ability to find interest in a myriad of things. And so your whole aura opens where you become naturally inviting. And it even carries over to uh, how we, we what kind of things we like when we like them. Um, because I'm a book person, I'll tell you, just give you an example of what I mean by this lifespan development, returning to a beginner's mind and that kind of thing, okay? So children's books, a lot of times, depending on the age of the kid, you can base, you, you can know what subjects are going to hit it off with a particular age group because of this lifespan development. So for our little kids, uh, of course, they are learning their world. They have a lot of wonder. Uh, they believe in the little tales that we tell them. And uh, their their whole world is just exciting to behold. And thus, you get where you can have magic and um, Harry Potter. <laughs> and you can also have uh, the wonderment of uh, being able to have, have them explore and in, increase their curiosity. Because one thing leads to another, leads to another. That's why you have little kids that are always good uh, in a detective agencies and seeking out the truth and all this kind of stuff. Okay. All right. And then also, this is funny. They, well, it's not funny, but it is funny. Little kids, depending on what age group you're in, the younger kids, they find the grotesque funny. So they find poopy jokes and uh, expelling gas to be just so funny. They, you know, the things that we're like, that is just gross. They just cackle and crackle and, and, and have fun with it. And so you can, you know, make use of that. But as they start to get older in the teen years, that's where you start to get there first, meaning that they start to dabble with 
concepts that are not uh, they, they they require more thinking and processing. And thus, that's where you get the teenage angstiness. You get a lot of brooding and a, a lot of intense emotions. Somebody doesn't like you and the world is going to end because you didn't get invited to a party or you're not with the in crowd. And so it's a lot of, and I, I don't want to call it fatalistic, but there is a lot weighing on the emotions of people in that area. And so for them, they tend to be more introverted, and not introverted, but in, inner-centered because it takes a lot to be a teenager. It takes a lot to navigate emotions. It really does. And so after that, when you move into the college age in the, in the 20s, 20 now, 30-somethings, you move into the new adult where now they are having, for the first time probably in their life, they're having to deal with things on their own and make major decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives um, right now. And so we call that the new adult range. And that's where you're going to be dealing with a lot of the bedrocks that form who we are as adults. Like, who are you going to settle down with if you're going to get married, have children? What kind of career are you really going to get into? Not the fantasy one that you used to have back in your wonderment years. No, the one that's paying the bills now and, and so on and so forth. But then once you get past that and you and you get into this, you you know how stuff is going as an adult, you start being able to expand. And uh, that's where a lot of the interesting stuff happens. And that means that this is how you can have young adult uh, themes being enjoyed by people of all ages. Because it's not that you're old. It's just that you have this high in view and you now know a little bit more of who you are and you can pick what you're interested in. For some people, they go back and they love fairy tales. There is like in book, there's a whole genre of retelling of fairy tales. Some of them are grim and dark uh, and, and gothic. Some of them are romantic, romantical. I'll even say that, romantical. And uh, some of them are just a derivative and a retelling of a fairy tale. Uh, likewise, you have where the whole fantasy and romance and uh, elves and dragons and all this kind of stuff, people love that. And that is because they're able to now, because they've had a, you know, a few years under their belt, they are now knowing better what they like and what they don't like. And then once you move into uh, more of an elder adult, you'll find that a lot of mystery, suspense, and thriller, they like that because now they're at a, a time where they want to settle some things and, and uh, solve things. And now they, they have this critical thinking thing down, you know, a little bit better. And thus, they look at things in an observatory way, like even a sage mind, where they're able to uh, solve and, and see the patterns and put things together. And thus, you have that kind of appeal. Now, why did I take you through all of those lifespan developments just to try to figure out how you can put mystery back in your life? It's because depending on your age group, you can start there. So say, for instance, you're listening to this and you are a 20-something. You're going to be dealing with first and those types of things. And truly, you actually have the best 
um, reason or excuse for bringing nothing to the table because you can treat everything around you as advice, mentorship, and the like. And people will be glad to talk to you. They will find you so intriguing and interesting because you're willing to listen to them. And people love an audience. Well, what if you say, well, Michelle, I am uh, 40-something, 50-something, and um, I, I got something to say. What you can do with regards to lifespan development is when you say you bring nothing to the table, you can move it into helping people explore what it is that you know by getting them engaged by bringing nothing to the table and returning to a beginner's mind. And that brings me to uh, the main point of, um, not main point, but the main person that I would like to highlight at this time who was... He wasn't a genius at this because he worked on everybody's nerves, but he taught us so much and you can adjust it. And that is our good old Socrates. Oh, yes, Socrates. Socrates was, and they called him the gadfly because, you know, gadfly, that's the fly that uh, keeps taunting the horse and sometimes lands on their butt and you see the horse trying to use his tail to get them off and they just keep coming back and antagonizing them. So he was known as the gadfly. So I'm not going to make it seem like Socrates was all, you know, wonderful and, you know, fairy dust and light. No, he was annoying, but he did teach us a lot of how to be mysterious, how to be wise and how to get people to follow you. Because Whereas he would annoy some people, he had large followings and he wasn't even trying to get people to follow him. But it was because he said, I know nothing. And when he approached people, they would ask him something because of his renown and the great things that he would make people become aware of. He would start to ask them questions. And you might be very familiar with this. And it's, you know, Socratic questioning where you start to dismantle what you think you believe and examine every piece and looking at the life where now you can use what the great Western scholars talked about, you know, saying an an unexamined life is not worth living. Well, he was one of the ones who helped us to to learn that. And I don't need you to be Socrates. I don't need you to be Columbo because Columbo is another type of Socrates who would ask all these questions to lead someone into this big revelation. Um, That's not what I'm trying to get you to do. But what I am trying to say is, if you want to truly bring nothing to the table, be willing to expand your mind, to open up, to ask the right questions. And asking the right questions is not interrogating anyone. Nope, it's not that. Asking the right questions is And you could call them good questions, you know, that kind of thing. But asking the right questions is to help you visualize or even get the person that you're in, you're in uh, having uh, a conversation with, get you all to see new ways of thinking or even how to continue to move the conversation in exciting avenues and pathways. One of the things that I also had to learn that I probably should have said yesterday in um, the podcast, but in learning to be an active, engaged listener and, and, and getting people to open up to me, I had to be willing to go with the flow of a conversation as well as keep the conversation flowing. 
because conversations can become stale. And Socrates, when we learned how he did his questioning and how he got people to see what they knew and what they didn't know, he was really good at asking the right questions to get the conversation flowing in new and exciting and even revelatory ways. And you can do that. Think about it. If you are wanting, say for instance, you are wanting to marry well, whether you, you know, whatever side of the table you want to be on and you actually have locked your sights on the type of person and you want to be that intriguing, mysterious person, bring nothing to the table. Don't feign interest, really embrace it and ask the right questions that get people to either continue to take the conversation in a certain way or to get them to consider something new. And thus you guys have now, you now have something new to talk about. For instance, uh, not for instance, uh, going back to when I had the privilege of being able to assist people with working out their relationships, there were times when it would get it would get kind of rough. And I'm not going to tell you what happened in those um, actual uh, uh, things because that's against um, my my oath and everything. But what I will say is, is there were times when I could see one of the people or both could be stuck. And I would actually get these little vine runner, easy, you know, easy plants, uh, um, in-home plants that require a little water. It's hard to kill them. And I would tell whoever was like the chatty one that's always talking or whatever, because usually it came down to that. I would be like, when you can't talk to your partner your significant other, we would call them SO. When you can't talk to your SO or what you need to say, you don't know how to get to it. I want you to practice or I want you to have your confidant and you're going to talk to this plant. And then I would give the equivalent, same small little starter plan to the other person. And I would tell them, uh, there's going to come a time when I'm going to ask you to bring these plants back in. So I'm going to need you to talk to the plant. And if you're not talking to your spouse or your significant other, um, talk to the plant. And the plant is going to love you because you're going to give them all that carbon dioxide. And they're going to give you all that um, oxygen. And it's going to be a love fest and all of this kind of stuff. So I want you to practice. And that's what I would tell them. I wanted them to practice what they were going to say and how to get out of their own way to say it. And inevitably, the chatty Kathy, their their plant would just be thriving. And the other one, sometimes they bring them back dead. Sometimes <laughs> they would be okay, but they wouldn't be thriving. And it was a good way for me to uh, physically show them the importance of the communication and the importance of practicing it. And so I'm, I'm saying this to say that I don't expect you to know how to be that mysterious person uh, who is uh, a mystery at the beginning. No, you got to practice on it. And you have to practice on it by being willing to have an open mind and observation, but by being having a curious mind and asking the right questions and understanding that you have to have or return to a beginner's mind or reacquaint yourself with the wonderment of life. Um, it's okay to be skeptical, but it's not okay to be judgmental with your skeptical. 
Because not every person you come in contact with and try to have a conversation is going to be on the up and up. And if your spidey senses start tingling and you're like, oh, they're lying or they're this or they're that, that's fine. Keep it moving. But don't use a heavy hand on every person. And also, go back and look and see what stage am I in? You know, what 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 stage of my life am I in? This is not for you to feel down about, you know, I'm young, I'm old or whatever. It's just to help you because if you find that you have gotten into this point where you know a lot and you know that you know a lot, it may be time for you to go back and look through all of the different parts of your life and reacquaint yourself with the wonderment, with the excitement, with the curiosity, or even just tell yourself, I'm going to be like Socrates and have a beginner's mind and say, I know nothing. Help me out. Because that's really what he did. He could know something, but he honestly, from what we have of the accounts from Plato, he honestly said, I don't know. Help me out. Help me by describing what it is you know so that I can know it. And he would ask the questions and lead them into where both of them either understood it well or the person who was professing to know something finally realized, oh, I really don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. So I hope that as you are continuing to embrace wisdom and as you are continuing to grow in all the pathways that wisdom has for you, that you don't discount the power of being able to be a open book, ready to have a new adventure and allow yourself to go where the conversation leads, where the transaction leads and not be so, um, not for it to be so hard to let go of control. And so with bringing nothing to the table. It's where you have a beginner's mind. It's where you are willing to trust in the ability to follow where it leads you and that you don't have to worry about looking uh, less than or any of that. Let those biases and prejudices go and dive in and show people that you have more to you than meets the eye. So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. You know what? I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And you know it. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Check the show notes and use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ whenever you do your Amazon shopping to help us support the show. And that's going to do it. Have a good one. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.